Up to this point, all that the Lord had done had been based on his covenant with Abraham over 400 years earlier. Now he is bringing the children of Israel into a covenant with himself. They were sprinkled with the blood of the covenant. And they were to walk in the ways of the Lord 24-7. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And they couldn't even make it 40 days. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Tonight we're looking at Exodus chapters 23 and 24. Exodus 23 and 24. I titled chapter 23, Little by Little. It is something that the Lord says in verse 30 to the people about how they would occupy the promised land. And years ago, I was reading this chapter, writing uh, devotional commentary on it, and it spoke to me in a special way of how the Lord sometimes works in our own lives as believers in Jesus Christ. We'll get to that. At the end of chapter 23, we want to go through the chapter first. But as a key verse, verse 30, little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased that you inherit the land. And so little by little, Exodus 23. So God promised also provision and health to them. 24 through 26, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take away sickness from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. So they were not only to conquer their enemies, but they were also not to worship or serve any of their gods. We will read of a king, when we get to the kings, who when he conquered his enemy in Damascus, country of Syria, pagan god, he copied their altar and had it duplicated in Israel. So he conquered them and their weak god, he decided we're going to worship the weak god that our god defeated. That's not how they were supposed to be. 
They were to not only not worship or serve, they were to break down their pagan altars, destroy the sacred places. God promised if they would do these things that he'd give them health, bread, and water, that they would live full lives in the promised land. Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13, when talking to the next generation, the generation that would go into the promised land, God said, now Israel, what does the Lord require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep his commandments, the commandments of the Lord, and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. God's law was given for the good of humanity. And it's when humanity runs from the laws of God, humanity we find can get very ugly and very messy. 27 through 33, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among the people to whom you come. I will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea. So from the Red Sea there where they cross over in Egypt to the Mediterranean Sea, Philistia, that would be north of them, to the desert to the river, which would be the Euphrates River. So Israel never occupied all that God promised them here because of their disobedience. I mean, they, in David's reign and Solomon's reign, they had troops by the Euphrates River there in Babylon. So they did have a presence, but they never quite occupied all that God promised that they could have if they were obedient to his command. Verse 31, we pick up, For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out from before you. You shall not make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. And that is exactly what would happen to the children of Israel. They had seasons, as I said, when they did great there were other seasons when they would fall to those snares, those traps, and worship the false gods of the land. But this little by little, years ago I was writing devotional on this. It really spoke to me in a similar way that God, he does not take away our shortcomings or remove our struggles that we have. Sometimes he doesn't do it instantly. I believe that he could, and sometimes he does for some people. But more often than not, he allows us to work through these issues in order that we might strengthen our walk with him. Years ago, I struggled with having bad language just under my breath. It was always there, but it rarely came out. Hit me, punch me, let my hammer hit my thumbnail, and you might hear it. So I remember at an early morning prayer meeting at a church in Libertyville, I asked the guys to just pray 
with me about this, that the Lord would clean up my language. It was a language that was hardly, rarely ever spoken, but I knew it was there and that was enough. It didn't happen instantly. But about a year later, that hammer did find my thumb. And uh, I was amazed at what didn't come out of my mouth. I knew God had done something. And I believe it was because during that year, I continued to study God's word, to serve in our church. At that time, I was playing in a Christian band. I continued to do the things that I know I should be doing to help my walk and relationship with God. And as I was doing that, as Ephesians 5.26 tells us that you'll be washed by the water of his word, he was washing me. But, you know, one test is one test. So that was when I was in my 20s at the age of 35, around 35 years old, because I remember where I was working at the time. I hit my thumb again. God likes to double test you sometimes just to see how things would go. And uh, 95% of my thumbnail came off. One blow of the hammer. And to my surprise, I yelled, praise the Lord. Now, that was not me. I had a guy that I worked with that was from a Pentecostal church many years before when I was a teenager, laborer at 18, uh, maybe a young bricklayer at 19 and 20. And he would often say things like that, but you didn't hear that shout come out of me too often. But I did. Once again, no cussing at that time. I was in my mid-30s, as I said, Still, the testings came. This time I was a pastor here at this church, about 40, 41 years old. We were fixing the gutter, the downspout on the southeast corner of the church. And I was underneath a guy on the ladder. Don't stand underneath somebody on a ladder, right? Didn't somebody teach you that? But I did. I was holding the downspout as he was attaching it on top. And he dropped the cordless drill on the back of my head and neck. So much so that it bruised my neck. And my response was, hey, you dropped something. It hurt. But the next day, and here's the praise out of all that, and it took a while to get to this. The very next day, the man who had dropped that drill, we were working on a Saturday after church on that Sunday out in the foyer. He handed me a note as he was leaving. In the note, he thanked me for setting an example of how I responded And he said, because I knew I would have responded a lot differently. He needed to say that prayer. (laughs) I even got tested a couple of years ago with a sledgehammer on a finger. It got close that time. (laughs) As we remain faithful to Jesus, he'll continue to drive out those things in our life. Little by little, our old ways until we get to increase and inherit the land. Sadly, the children of Israel did not completely obey the commands. Thus, they never entirely inherited all that God promised that they would. But it was a conditional promise. So it was on them, not on God. As we come into chapter 24, 18 verses, very short chapter. Uh, For the book of Exodus, it's a short chapter. But uh, 24-7, I titled it 24-7, how we are to conduct ourselves. And I gave verse 7 as a key verse, 
Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. So that was their pledge. And so the blood covenant, I found this interesting today. As Jesus refers to the communion meal and the blood of the covenant, this is the new covenant. And so here we have the blood covenant, verses 1 through 2, Exodus 24, verse 1. Now, he said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near to the Lord. But they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So the children of Israel remained at the base of Mount Sinai, where the Lord gave the Ten Commandments. And the Lord called Moses, Aaron, his sons, Nadab, and Abihu, 70 of the elders, to come near, to commune with him at the base of Mount Sinai. And before drawing near to the Lord, Moses declared God's word to the people in verse 3 and said, All the people, when they heard that declaration of the Lord, they said, All the people answered with one voice, saying, All the words which the Lord had said, we will do. So they they heard the testimony of the Lord and said, Yes, we'll obey. And afterwards, Moses would write out God's word. He built an altar with 12 pillars to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent several young men to have burn offerings, offer burnt offerings to the Lord, and taking half the blood from these burnt offerings. And we learn about this in verses 3 through 6. He sprinkled it upon the altar. He took the book of the covenant, God's law. He read it before the people. And a second time, the people in verse 7 says, All that the Lord has said, we will do. We will be obedient. And afterwards, Moses took the remaining blood. He sprinkled it upon the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. So the blood of the covenant related to Jesus Christ in Hebrews 9, verses 18 through 22 Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, hyssop, sprinkled both the book itself and the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with Blood, both the tabernacle, so this would happen later, both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry. And Hebrews 9.22, in accordance to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And that will be, uh, that's just quoting from Leviticus 17.11. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So the first covenant was dedicated through burnt offerings, peace offerings to the Lord, and the sprinkling of the blood, sprinkling upon the altar, the book of the law, the people themselves. Leviticus 17.11 For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is with the blood that makes atonement for the souls. 
Jesus Christ, with his own blood, entered into the most holy place, the temple of heaven. With the sprinkling of his blood, he has made atonement for our souls. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, because of the blood. So 40 days and 40 nights, Moses would go up on the mountain, verses 9 through 18. In 9 through 11, we find Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, the 70 elders of Israel. They saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. So the leaders of Israel now get to have communion with God, communion before God in the sense of a fellowship meal. And after Moses and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, the 70 elders, communed with God, they drew near, in verse 10 it says, they saw the God of Israel. They saw the God of Israel. And how glorious it must have been for them to have a glimpse of God's glory, to commune with him there on that mountain. Then the Lord said to Moses, verses 12 through 16, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone, and the law and the commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, I believe, I'm going to look at my Bible notes once again, Let me find that. His assistant, Joshua. I believe this might be the first mention of Joshua in the Bible. I could be wrong on that. But I don't have it in my notes. How odd. I usually note those things. And he went up to the mountain of God, and he said to his elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up the mountain, And a cloud covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days, and on the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. So after the meal, God called Moses to ascend the mountain. And Joshua would also go part way up with him. And Joshua would become the aide of Moses, a warrior. We will find he'll be a warrior, but also... There'll be a point when the tabernacle of meeting is made that when Moses would depart the tabernacle of meeting, Joshua would remain there uh, before the tabernacle of meeting. Not that he entered in, but he was always near. And I think it says much to this young man and his rise to leadership over the nation of Israel. So God's glory descended upon the mountain, rested upon it for six days. On the seventh day, God called Moses to ascend into the midst of the cloud. And 17 through 18, And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And during the next 40 days, God would give instructions for the children of Israel. God would instruct Moses about the offerings that Israel would collect for the construction of the sanctuary, a free will offering that they would collect. God would lay out the plans for the construction of the 
tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, the table of showbread, the menorah, the tabernacle itself, the altar of burnt offerings, the courtyard of the tabernacle. The Lord would instruct Moses about the priestly garments, the consecration ceremony for Aaron and his four sons, their duties, how they should administer their daily offerings. God detailed the requirements of making the altar of incense and the purpose behind the ransom offering, the making of the bronze levir, the holy anointing oil, and the making of incense that were to be burned only exclusively there in the tabernacle. And God even told Moses which two men, Bezalel and Aholilib, they were to be part of that construction Uh, lead the team of building the tabernacle. For the Lord God said that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge in all manner of workmanship to do the work that he'd called them to do. And finally, God gave one last reminder of importance of keeping the Sabbath law. All these things, while Moses is on the mountain for 40 days, it will take us from Exodus chapters 25 to 31. And so I kind of just gave you a preview of the next several chapters of the book of Exodus. But the children of Israel twice promised the Lord, what the Lord has commanded, we will do whatever you say. They had more, though, than just God's word. They had seen the miraculous signs that the Lord had done in Egypt. They had walked through the midst of the Red Sea where Pharaoh's army had drowned shortly thereafter. God had guided them through the wilderness with the Shekinah glory, a cloud by day, a fire by night. He provided pure water for them to drink at the waters of Mira, the bitter waters that were there. He daily supplied bread from heaven. He caused water to pour forth from the rock and gave them life-quenching water. And now he reveals his glory on top of Mount Sinai with thunderings, lightnings, a thick cloud with the sound of a trumpet. Up to this point, all that the Lord had done had been based on his covenant with Abraham over 400 years earlier. Now he is bringing the children of Israel into a covenant with himself. They were sprinkled with the blood of the covenant. And they were to walk in the ways of the Lord 24-7. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they couldn't even make it 40 days. While Moses was up on the mountain, we'll read about when we get to Exodus 32, what would take place on the floor where the people of Israel were at. The law of the Lord is good, but the law was meant to be a a tutor until the time of Christ. Galatians 3, 22 through 24. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for faith by which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified through faith. Kept under guard, much like a parent parents guard their children as they're growing up. There's a point where the children become an adult and they have to walk on their own, but under their parents' rule, they are kept under guard. 
Under the word of God, we are kept under guard. It teaches us our faith in Jesus Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit working in and through our lives that we are to be a people who serve Christ 24-7. We're never to turn it off. But we're not perfect. It is because we have been forgiven. It's because of God's grace and that mercy that's been found at the foot of the cross. So, Father, thank you for this day you've given us, for this time to worship you. Pray, Lord, your blessing upon us this evening. And we ask, Lord, that you would be with those, Lord, who are, who are suffering. Lord, I mentioned Ukraine in the message earlier today, and we know, Lord, that horrific things have taken place there. And I believe, Lord, there are many who are guilty. You are the final judge of all things. But we pray, Lord, for those who are suffering. We thank you, Lord, for those ministries and even the others who are bringing aid. We pray, Lord, that there would be great compassion shown to those who have suffered so greatly. We ask for those, Lord, who are suffering here, maybe connected in our own church and going through struggles, trials, and lives in their lives that is just difficult. I just pray, Father, that you would be with each one you know every need. We ask, Lord, your blessing upon us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847 847- 265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.